Hello friends, John LeBond here on Thursday the 7th of July 2016 and this is comment response number 8 in regards to JLB 1665 Muhammad Ali Speaks Beautiful Truth and so in this podcast what I'll be doing is looking at that video that I made then going through the comments that were left in response to the video giving my response or my thoughts on those comments and then expanding a little bit further on the topics that were brought up in the video and in the comments. Of course, the video itself was from Muhammad Ali, his interview with BBC's Parkinson in 1971. So I'll get to that in a moment, but first, just on the topic of comment responses, obviously the first six comment responses were video-based, and then in line with trying to move a lot of my audience from YouTube over to the website, what I did last time was make comment response number seven a podcast-based comment response rather than a video-based one. And obviously I said at the time that I'd be doing that uh, more going forward. And that is certainly the plan. And the response, the feedback was terrific from comment response 07. And I got more than 200 plays and downloads in the first couple of days from comment response number seven to the point where I made the decision that I'd have to move my uh, podcast going forward to a specific Podbean account. Because even though my web hosting account is uh, described as unlimited, they're not really unlimited. And if you check their terms of service, or certainly for my web host, their terms of service say that you're allowed to use your space on their servers for hosting files that are specific to your website. So if it's a small business or a personal site, you're allowed to do that. And so you are allowed, I think, to have podcasts sort of through a WordPress blog, if you like, which is basically what my website is. However, I didn't want to take the chance that in a few months' time they tell me, you're using too much resources, you have to upgrade or you have to leave or whatever. I thought it's easier just to nip it in the bud right now and get my own Podbean account, which is what I've done. And so going forward, all of my podcasts will be on the Podbean account. But the point of all this is to say that I was uh, very pleasantly surprised by how many people were happy to just go straight to podcasts because uh, when you do these kinds of things, you never know what the response is going to be. And so if you're regularly getting hundreds of views on a comment response video, what's going to happen when you go to a podcast-based format? And so I didn't know what to expect, but to get well over 200 plays and downloads in the first couple of days for a comment response that was only advertised, or only promoted on my backup channel, I was very pleasantly surprised. So I'm glad to see that more people are happy to move to podcasting. And as all of you know, I prefer the podcasting format anyhow, because it allows you to do other things with your time. Uh, it means that you get to be more productive with your time overall. But I think also it can just encourage your mind to work in a better way to deal with the informational thoughts that are coming through the podcast. So when you're sitting there in front of a video, if you're just listening to someone speak and you're getting some visual stimulation through the monitor of your computer, your brain might not be listening to or really engaging with the audio as much as it might if it's just got the audio. And certainly that's the case for myself. I never listen to podcasts just inside my house. Even though I listen to podcasts a lot, I never do that just inside my place unless I've had to come inside for um, exercise or something because it's raining outside. Other than exceptional circumstances, if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm out walking or I'm on a bus or I'm doing something and I find that it helps me to engage with the podcast that I'm listening to a lot better. And so uh, I prefer the podcasting medium and going forward, a lot more of my work will be released in podcast fashion. So uh, so yeah, more than 60 or 70 gigabytes worth of bandwidth just from that first 
podcast-based comment response. And so, yeah, time to move to Podbean. And I've used them before. I used them with the ARP, and they've been uh, a good service to use. I've had no problems with them. So I've taken out the second account. And uh, going forward, I think that should be very helpful. But anyhow, uh, getting on to this topic now. And this one's a very controversial one because this is Muhammad Ali speaking about race and ethnicity. And these are, in our society today, very controversial topics. And I think we'll see more reasons as to why that is as we go through some of the comments and some of the information that I've got to share with you uh, on this topic as well. Now, a lot of you would have found my work over the last six months or so dealing with things like skepticism towards, say, the flat earth uh, thing that's happened on YouTube, or you found my work through my skepticism towards scientism and heliocentrism and these sorts of things. So you might not be aware that my views on race and ethnicity, they go back further than even my understandings of a lot of things to do with scientism. For a long time now, it's been my position that uh, races and ethnicities are very important and that all races and ethnicities on Earth today ought to be preserved. Now, these should to me, these are just logical, common-sense opinions. And many people, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But then when you talk to them about other issues that are directly related to this, such as multiculturalism or mass immigration, if they've been programmed by school or by television, their responses will be like Pavlovian dog responses. Anyone who's not for multiculturalism, so-called multiculturalism, or anyone who is against mass immigration must be a racist or must be a xenophobe, this kind of nonsense. And they don't seem to, they don't seem to understand the contradiction that's going on here uh, if they've been programmed. Now, in our scene, it's not that bad because a lot more people have either been exposed to some of these ideas or at least have gotten away from enough of the programming to reconsider their old views. But even in this scene, a lot of what we're about to talk about in this podcast is still controversial. But I'm not going to back away from my views. In fact, you're only going to see these uh, me talk about these things more and more as we go forward. I've got a couple of basic values when it comes to these particular topics. I'll give you one right now. I think all children should be able to grow up innocent and remain innocent regardless of what their ancestors are alleged to have done. So whether it's a white child or a black child or an Asian child, no matter what their ancestors are alleged to have done or even what their parents did, The idea that anyone would want that child to feel guilty for something they have no control over is, to me, utterly sick and reprehensible. They're children, they're innocent, they should not be made to feel guilty. And anyone who does that, I think, is a sicko. They might not realize what they're doing because they were brought up the same way. They were educated and indoctrinated at universities that said that this is how we educate children now, yada, yada. So many of them are completely oblivious to what they're doing. But I think some of them know what they're doing and they're particularly sick, but I think all of them in a better world would have to stand before their peers and explain why they thought it was okay to make little children feel guilty about things those children had no control over because it is utterly sick. And in a better society, they'd be made to explain why they were in front of a classroom making little children feel guilty. And then if they said, well, look, I, uh, I thought I was doing the right thing at the time because I was indoctrinated, but now I realize what I was doing was utterly sick and I'm completely against it. Me personally, if I was one of the peer group, I'd say, well, they realized they were doing the wrong thing. Uh, They're not going to do it anymore. And hopefully they're going to help us explain to others why it's sick. But the ones who would stand there and say, no, I would do it again if I had the chance. I want little children. So I want little white children to feel guilty about things they had no control over. I'd say, well, that person, uh, at best, uh, probably a stint in the big house would be good for them because what they're doing is sick. That's my opinion. If you disagree with me, hey, the beauty of my work is that you get to leave your comments and your feedbacks in the comments section on my site. So 
If you disagree with me, by all means, tell me why. I look forward to it. I could be wrong about this. You know what I mean? I could be wrong. Maybe there are uh, valid justifications for making little children feel guilty. Uh, I'd like to hear them. Uh, in the meantime, from my own anecdotal experience growing up here in Australia, and certainly from what I've witnessed and heard from others, this is a widespread thing where little children are being made to feel guilty for things they had no control over. And uh, among many things that I want to do with my website and with my platform going forward, one of the things I'd like to do is to get more people reconsidering how it is that we educate children in this country about who they are, where they came from, etc., and how they should feel about what allegedly happened in the past. Now, that's one issue that's related to what uh, Muhammad Ali had to say, this idea of race and ethnicity, uh, what have you. Another one, and a very important one, is to do with the consequences of race mixing. So if you train everybody to believe, despite all evidence to the contrary, that races are all the same, because that's part of education now, races are all the same, races only skin deep, etc. If you train and indoctrinate people to believe that, one of the consequences will be increased race mixing. Now, again, we're getting to very controversial areas here, but if you're listening to my work, you're probably not somebody who instantly has those rabid Pavlovian responses that we're trained to have. You're probably willing to at least listen, even if you disagree with me. So when it comes to the topic of race mixing, my views on this have changed markedly over the last few years. I was very well indoctrinated and educated growing up, it's only been the last few years when I've actually started to question what it was I believed, the evidence it was based on, relook at the other side, the, well, not relook at the other side, look at the other side for the first time, because you're not given both sides when you're growing up, of course. And so my views have changed a lot. So I'll talk more about my personal experiences perhaps later in the podcast. But for now, if what we're about to talk about is new to you, which it might be for some listeners, then let's just have a look at the information, see where it goes, listen to the ideas and, uh, you know, these are just thoughts. Nobody's going to get hurt. Right now, you're listening to uh, sound signals. Uh, they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to hurt anybody. These are just ideas and concepts. Let's take a look at them and see where it all goes. Now, before we do that, I will play the four-minute clip. This is from Muhammad Ali on BBC's Parkinson in 1971. What I did was I cut out about a four-minute clip from the interview. I played that clip, and then I said, what are your thoughts? And that's why we're having this comment response right now. So we'll play the four, uh, it's about four minutes. And then when we come back, we'll get into looking at some of the comments. Black people must do something for themselves and not always beg white people to move in the neighborhoods, but clean their own neighborhoods. And another thing, when you say integration, it comes on the end of marriage too, right? All right. been together. Right. Sure. And I'm sure no intelligent white person watching this show, or no intelligent uh, white man in his or her right white mind want black boys and black girls marrying their white sons and daughters and in return introducing their grandchildren as half-brown, kinky-haired black people. I, w I, and wouldn't, I'm sure I wouldn't I'm, object to that. Well, you wouldn't, but a lot of them would. Well, I'm sure a lot of people... No, it's, it's the what I'm trying to say is this. What I'm trying to say is this. And you don't have it. You say you don't, but you don't have it. You really ain't going to have it. You're on the show and you got to say that. That's not true. Why would you want to do that? Because, because I, don't, I don't think I'm any different from you, you see. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we're much different. This I mean, I think society's you know, made us different. You know we're different. We're all together. But society's different. made us different. No, not society. God made us different. No, no, we're just human beings. He made all no, of no, us. We all, listen, bluebirds fly with bluebirds. Red birds want to be with red birds. <laughs> listen, listen, tell me when I'm wrong. Pigeons want to be with pigeons. But tell me when I'm wrong. Well, we I, have well, we must, they well, we don't have intelligence. They don't have intelligence but yet no. they stay together. We should have more intelligence than them, right? <laughs> buzzers are with buzzers. 
Buzzers are with buzzards. Bluebirds are with bluebirds. They're all are birds, but they've got different cultures. The eagles like to hang out in the mountains. The buzzard like to fly around the desert. Well, the bluebird like to fly around the trees and the grass. There'd be problems a, a buzzard mating with a sparrow, wouldn't there? What? There'd be certain... <laughs> right, right. And that's, I mean, we have the problems, too. No, I, don't see, I, don't see, I don't see no black and white couples in England or America walking around proud holding their children. That's because society... And, and going out. That's, that's society's fault. I mean, well, so, well, but, I mean we've got to educate well, my, people around. Well, life is too short for me to be ready catching hell for something like that. I'd rather go and be my own. I have a beautiful daughter, beautiful wife. They look like me. We're all happy, and I don't have no trouble. And, <laughs> I have no trouble. Ain't, I ain't that much in love with no woman to go through all that hell. Ain't no one woman that good. <laughs> you understand? I understand, yeah. I just, I do understand. I understand. I think it's, I think it's sad that... that, that it ain't sad because I want my child to look like me. Attitude. Every intelligent person wants his child to look like him. I'm sad because I want to blot out my race and lose my beautiful identity. Chinese love Chinese. They love the little slanted-eyed, pretty brown-skinned babies. Pakistanis love their culture. Jewish people love their culture. A lot of Catholics don't want to marry number Catholics. They want the religion to stay the same. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You are, you are a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake when he made us all like we I, were. I think that's a philosophy I'm, of despair. Despair. I really do. It ain't no yeah. despair. Number one, can't no woman. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you. Listen, no woman on this whole earth, not even a black woman in Muslim countries, can please me and cook for me and socialize and talk to me like my American black woman. No woman, at last, is a white woman can really identify with me and my feelings and the way I act and the way I talk. And you can't take no Chinese man and give him no Puerto Rican woman and holler him about we're in love and you emotionally in love and physically, but really they're not happy because she's going to hear some Puerto Rican music, he's going to hear some Chinese music. And they're going to be clashing all the time. It's just nature. You can do what you want, but it's nature to want to be with your own. I want to be with my own. I love my people. That's all. I don't hate nobody. I think it's sad that... that, that it ain't sad because I want my child sad. to look it's like me. Attitude. Every intelligent person wants his child to look like him. I'm sad because I want to blot out my race and lose my beautiful identity. Chinese love Chinese. They love the little slanted-eyed, pretty brown-skinned babies. Pakistanis love their culture. Jewish people love their culture. A lot of Catholics don't want to marry number Catholics. They want the religion to stay the same. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You're you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You're you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? So there you have it, Muhammad Ali speaking beautiful truth. That was the title of the video. And as you could tell at the end there, I also cut out some of the clips from, say, the original four minutes and replayed them over a couple of times just to make the point a little bit clearer because, unfortunately, the way that things are today, a lot of people in a four-minute clip, especially if it's on a topic that they've been trained to see as controversial, they'll forget a lot of the key points. So just replaying them at the end there in that original video. Because that what you just heard there, if you hadn't already seen the video, that's not me for this podcast replaying it. That was the video I replayed those key points at the end there where Muhammad Ali is saying, and I'll just call him um, Ali for the rest of this podcast, where Ali is saying, you're a hater of your people if you want to kill your own race. If you want your own race to disappear, you're a hater of your own people. And sadly, I think that is the case today. 
a lot of people wouldn't care if their race disappeared. In fact, they've been trained to think that their race is uh, somehow inherently evil because of what they've been told that people of their race did uh, hundreds of years ago. That's the state that we're in right now. And it's very understandable. Once you understand the power of conditioning, if you can condition human beings through education and through mainstream media, condition them and program them, you can get them to believe just about whatever you want, especially when you manipulate them with emotions. And if you look through, which as I was doing this morning, the school curriculum here in Australia for teaching history, that's part of teaching history is making children Imagine how it would feel if people came to your country and all of your elders got killed and you all got diseases and all this kind of stuff. Getting children to empathize with abstract notions of what took place a couple hundred years ago. And for what purpose? Well, it's pretty obvious if you sit there and think about it. The people who are writing up this curricula, these frameworks for teachers to use in schools, it's pretty obvious why they would want that to happen. And I've actually found it amusing. I wish I'd kept a copy of one of the tabs up on the browser because there was one section where it was like, have the children imagined that their country's being invaded and a foreign uh, culture is brought that's very different to their own and all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, that's actually what is happening today in Australia. Uh, and yet they're, they're framing this as, we want you to feel guilty for what, what we're claiming happened 200 years ago. Very, very interesting stuff. But anyway, the point of all this is, is that Muhammad Ali says a lot of interesting things in that uh, clip. One of them is that if you want your race to die, is that because you hate your race? Imagine being a self-hating person. That's where I think we're at right now. And Ali also makes another point that, you know, the, the bluebirds fly with bluebirds, buzzards fly with buzzards. And I, I think a lot of people in my country haven't really gone over to a foreign land for long enough to understand how much truth is in this. You can take a whole bunch of very well indoctrinated uh, 20 to 22-year-olds, say from Australia, put them into a campus in Africa. And sure, for the first few weeks, there's lots of intermingling with the black people there. Everyone's getting along, everyone's having a good time. But before long, you'll find that the white people, the Australians are hanging out with themselves, as you know, hanging out with each other again, uh, as they would have been doing before they got to Africa and as they'll do again after they got to Africa. Now, that's my anecdotal experience. So I'm not presenting that as a, like a scientific or an empirical fact based by studies i'm presenting that as my own anecdotal experience and i'd be interested to know yours because that was my experience i had plenty of fun over there in africa and some of the african dudes i met really fun guys uh we had lots of good times but after just a few weeks i found that i had more fun just chatting with fellow australians than i did uh, with the with the blacks you know what I mean? and that's just personal experience the personal experience should make up a part of how we view the world you know, we, we shouldn't be letting people with books tell us that uh, they know more about what it is to be a human than we do with our own human experiences, okay? Now, those of you who've been following my work for a long time, you know how much emphasis I place on statistics and empirical data, and we'll see more of that later in this podcast when I start looking at some of the empirical data that doesn't get shown at schools for some reason. At the same time, though, I wonder how many people have spent time abroad, have witnessed this idea that people do generally give it enough time, go back to hanging out with their own. How many people have experienced that themselves? I'm sure lots of you have. So anyway, we'll press on with this. That was the clip from Muhammad Ali. Many interesting things brought up in the video. There were about, uh, let's see here, 40 comments left underneath this video, most of them primary comments. That is, if you leave a comment first and then someone replies to you, I'm most interested for these comment responses in the primary comment, people's own original reflection on what they've just seen and heard.
So I'll go through most of those comments now. I mean, if I get 70 or 80 comments, it's hard to go through all of them. But for this one, if there's about 40, I'll probably be able to get through most of them. Now, this particular video, I uploaded it on June 4, 2016. About 650 views, 40 thumbs up, four thumbs down. So it's interesting because this was uploaded to my main channel. It's interesting the way that the audiences have sort of uh, diverged between my primary channel and my extra channel. And because of that, I've actually got some plans when it comes to sort of, uh, it's almost like audience segmentation. I'm thinking of starting another channel, John LeBon Australia, to focus on topics that are related to Australian uh, news, current affairs, uh, that sort of thing. Then leave extra for people who are really interested in the overall idea of skepticism, reviewing what we're told, etc. And then leaving the main channel, I guess, as like a, a funnel, like something where I can just post a lot of stuff about, say, baby hoaxes or whatever. People who might be interested in this kind of thing then I can funnel them into John LeBon Extra where we talk about uh, genuine skepticism and applying that to so much of the life system in which we live. But anyway, I'm getting a bit tangential here. Let's go through these comments right now. And what I always do is go through from the first left through to the latest. So we'll see who was the first to leave a comment on this one. And it was Daniel Leather. And he says, this man understood the lowest common denominator ingrained in the human condition. And so you would infer from what Daniel's saying there that he disagrees with Muhammad Ali and he's saying that Muhammad Ali's expression of, well, I love my people, you should have your people, I should have my people, but we're different. Daniel Leather is saying that that is appealing to the lowest common denominator. I think amongst my audience, Daniel Leather would be within the lowest common denominator of my audience. And um, yeah, there's not really too much to be uh, said other than that. Then we get up to inverted reality who says, birds of a feather flock together, good find. And uh, yeah, birds of a feather flock together. It sounds good, it rolls off the tongue, and I think a lot of us who've spent time outside of where we grew up, we know uh, from experience how true that is. Carlotta Tendent says, God made us different, wise man, but look at the apparent early hoax he was involved in. And then Carlotta lists... Uh, in inverted commas, Muhammad Ali's street fight with Sonny Liston pulls. And so what I did was I looked that one up to see what I could come up with. And it was actually a clip from a film called The Greatest. Okay, so someone had uploaded a short clip from a film called The Greatest. Uh, the Greatest was a film from 1977 about the life of Muhammad Ali. And he actually played himself in the film. They had actors play the roles of other people, other boxers and what have you. And so I didn't know that when I watched the clip. I found the clip, I watched it, didn't know what I was watching. There's Muhammad Ali. I don't really pretend to know boxing from the, from the 70s or the 80s or what have you. So, so the actor that they had playing uh, Sonny Liston, I didn't know that that was not Sonny Liston. This is just a name to me. But I could tell from what I was watching that it was clearly scripted and acted. Okay, just from the responses of the people in the background, what have you, it looks to me like there was no way this was legitimate. You know, it showed Liston, or the person playing Liston, pulling out a gun, you know, at Muhammad Ali and Muhammad Ali running away. And it was at a casino. So it was just, the whole thing was ridiculous, right? But at the time, I didn't know what I was watching. I was like, was this actually presented as real? Because if it was, it looks like there was some fakery involved back then, right? I go through the comments to find out if anyone knows what this clip is from. And there's people saying, this looks like it might be a little bit fake. And then there's people defending it, saying, no, it's not fake, this is real, blah, blah, blah. There was like one person asking... You know, why aren't the people in the background more scared of the gun? And then someone came in, defended it. And so there were people defending this as being real. 
And anyway, I did more research, found out the clip was from the film The Greatest 1977. But it just makes you pause to wonder, doesn't it? How far we have gotten now, people are so moronic that you can show them a clip from a film, but if you don't explicitly say this is from a film, they're going to believe it's real. And how many of us know that this is true when it comes to things like Media Fakery, Boston Hoaxathon, Sandy Hook, etc.? Put it on the TV, don't tell them this is a made-for-TV movie, and they'll believe it's real, right? That's how far we've gotten, though, where you can just show them a clip from something that they admit is fake. It's a movie. They admit it was just a recreation. But by not explicitly stating this is a clip from a film of recreations, people are that dumb and that easily misled by video and audio that when other people say, hey, I don't think that this is real. Are we sure that this is actually real footage? They'll defend it. That's the kind of more... That's that's how stupid so many people are today. That's what's being done to them by education and by media. And I found that fascinating. So, Carlotta Tendon, I'm not sure if you also thought that that was presented as real. Obviously, you could tell that it wasn't real. But did you actually think it was presented as real? Because it's from a film that wasn't meant to be taken as real it was a staged scene where he pulls out the gun but either way Carlotta thank you for pointing that one out because it reminded me by going through the comments there just how moronic people are now you what mate says ah so the great Ali was a racist well I guess you learn something new every day and again it's very difficult to determine what people are saying sometimes with say 10 12 15 words in uh, in black and white text on a screen so was you what mate being sarcastic with his comment or does he actually think that based on what Ali said Ali is a racist I'm not sure but uh, you what mate maybe you can clarify that in the comments below this but anyone who listens to what Ali says and says oh he's a racist what does this word mean to you racist what is a racist what is what is a racist if a racist is someone who says I love my people I've got nothing against your people, but we're different. Is that a racist today? Because if it is, I'm a racist, and I think any sane man is a racist. If that's what it takes to be a racist, is to say, I love my people, you should love your people. I've got nothing against your people, we can get along. No problems, but we're different. If that makes you a racist, well, you're listening to a racist right now. And a proud racist too, if that's what constitutes racism. Now, me, myself, who has a azimuth or equidistant projection uh, as an avatar, says, ha, now JLB thinks these words from Ali are wise words. Oh, so you now stand for racism, do you, John? Just because it was a black man saying these things, it's still cultural racism, exclamation mark. If that was a white man standing on stage saying them things today, he would be a racist, exclamation mark. These are not wise words. If I was interviewing him, I would have contradicted him by saying, I have a bird three guinea pigs, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier dog, and a rabbit, I can let these all put together. The dog plays with them all. Now these dogs are now, shamefully, used for fighting, and they can be really vicious, but mine gets along with all of them. He just doesn't stick with his own species. You see lions in nature looking after other animals that are not the same species. So what Ali was talking about is bullshit. We was all created to be humans. That is our species anyway. So they defo not wise words, JLB. Okay, now I did my best to try and make that intelligible. What was, the, what was left by me, myself there? And it's interesting, isn't it? That me, myself is also suggesting that by posting this video, I stand for racism. So I'm a racist for playing this clip 
from Muhammad Ali. And me and myself says, just because it was a black man saying these things, it's still cultural racism. So there you go. That's how far the programming has gotten into these people. Anybody, whether they're white or black or Asian or anything, anyone who says, I love my people and we're different from you, that makes them a racist or a cultural racist. And then, they, and then me myself justifies it by saying, if this was a white man standing on stage, he would be a racist. So you see, they've got the racism programming locked in. And so it's like, well, it's definitely racist if a white person says they love, they love their people. So if a black man says it, that's still racist. Rather than just questioning what it is that this term racism means, why you've been programmed to have that kind of response. And then look at the evidence me myself gives about the different animals that they have living at their house, playing together. Me, myself, how many of those animals would be at your house if you hadn't bought them and trained them to stay there? The answer is none. So I think it's actually an interesting analogy to, say, a place like Australia, where now we're having hordes of these people imported here who are not like the people who are here. And something like 7 out of 10 of the, of, like, of the 10 uh, countries from which Australia is, is now taking people, if you like, 7 of them are Asian or African, right? Like China, India, etc. That's where the immigration to Australia is coming from. Now, a lot of people will tell you, oh, but the statistics say that uh, the, the single biggest, um, you know, of, of all the immigrants to Australia, of, of all people in Australia, not born in Australia, the single country of origin that's the greatest is still Britain. And that is true last I checked. However, most of those people are old. They're 50, 60, 70, 80. They're almost dead, right? The people coming through now it's Asian, predominantly Asian and African. And of course, there is a reason for that, which we might get into later. The point being, though, that right now, the government is just, well, the people who run the show are just importing all of these people, hordes of these people, right? Would they be here naturally, normally, if not being imported this way? Well, of course not. And would the people here put up with it, if not programmed to do so? Well, I would say no, right? So I think it's an interesting analogy between me, myself's household and Australia today. It's like, well, we're, we have to accept these people. There's not much that one person right now can do about that at the moment. And, uh, and so we're being forced to mix with all these people who otherwise we'd say, hey, you've, there's a place in the world that suits you people perfectly. That should be your place. And, uh, and hey, we were quite happy here before this uh, mass immigration was taking place. But I guess we're stuck with you. And that's how it would be with me and myself. If they were to bring home another bird... Well, the animals who were there, they'd have to get used to it, wouldn't they? Because me, myself, runs a show. So, interesting little analogy there. But either way, uh, me, myself, thank you for the comment. Access Denied says, another divide and conquer vid. Good thinking, JLB. You must be getting prouder of yourself by the minute. So, I think Access Denied is one of my critics. And they might have found my channel through the whole flat earth scene or something like that. So, a video like this... They're looking at it through, Access Denied is looking at it through the lens of, oh, JLB is trying to divide and conquer the flat earth scene or whatever, whatever scene it is that they were in to find my channel, they think that I'm posting this video to divide and conquer them. So before they even sit down and think about the concepts in the video that are being discussed and have any kind of intelligent conversation about that, they're looking at it through the perspective of, oh, JLB is trying to divide and conquer whatever movement that person is in. These are some of the morons who leave comments, uh, not just on my channel, but on many channels. And I think some of you can see, I mean, there's many benefits to trying to move comments onto my own web server, onto my own website. One of the benefits will be clowns like this access denied. They're unlikely to leave comments on my website. 
and they're very unlikely to try and register an account and become a regular contributor there. They might, and if they do, I'll be happy to engage with them. But people like Access Denied, if he is the kind of person I think he is, they watch YouTube videos, they fall into what they think are movements, they believe that their favorite YouTubers are going to change the world, you know, and then they're going to help just by watching these videos, right? And so they're not even looking at content produced by people like me through the prism of, oh, what kind of conversation is this um, going to encourage? What kind of topics can we think about? What are some of the ideas that maybe we ought to revisit since we were programmed at school or television? They're not looking at it through that prism. They're looking at it purely from, I belong to an online movement of some type. This JLB guy is posting a video which might cause division within our ranks. So I don't like that guy. I don't like his video. This is the kind of moronic thinking that predominates throughout YouTube, throughout the so-called truth movement on YouTube. And the sooner that I can uh, get rid of nonsense like that, the better. And by get rid of, I mean just no longer have those kind of people floating around my channel. You know, I mean, I just don't see the benefit of it. What is someone like that? What do they? What can they potentially offer? Nothing. Now, flat Earth math says, by beautiful truth, do you mean his opposition to interracial couples and specifically mixed race children? Hey, it's a free planet, and everyone has the right to his or her opinion, but I'm thankful every day that civilization has evolved where people with such opinions are fewer and fewer. As a white man married to a beautiful black woman with three mixed race kids, I imagine they might feel the same. And this is where broaching these sorts of topics and dealing with these sorts of issues, someone like myself runs the risk of upsetting or alienating somebody who I don't want to upset or to alienate but simply by virtue of the fact that some people out there do have mixed-race children, if I present statistics showing that mixed-race children, and I am going to do this later in the podcast, if I produce statistics showing that these mixed-race children are more likely statistically to have negative health outcomes, whether it's to do with things like attempted suicide, depression, uh, substance abuse, etc., then people who are involved in mixed-race families or have mixed-race children, they might start to think of this as an attack on them personally, even though it clearly isn't. Now, whether you, and I'll discuss this more later, whether you are a single race couple and a single race family or a mixed race couple, still there are certain things that as a parent you can do that significantly increase the chances that your children are going to live productive, healthy lives, right? So if you are a good parent, you should never worry about what somebody else says about your parenting. If you know that you're a good parent and you're confident in what you're doing, you wouldn't let what someone else says get to you. The same as anything, if you're, if somebody gets offended by something, there's a good chance it's either because they're insecure about it and or they've been programmed that way. Now, there's no reason for a good parent to feel insecure about their parenting. That parent spends more time with the child than anybody else if they're a good parent. And so they know better than anyone what they're doing with the child, how much effort they're putting into it, etc. So if you're confident that you're a good parent, whether you're single race or mixed race, you're not going to let what I say upset you. However, if there's a chance you might get upset by somebody pointing out some basic facts about mixed race child outcomes, then Flat Earth Math and anybody else listening to this right now who might be in similar situations, you might be best off just switching off the podcast now because I'm not here to upset or offend anybody. That is not my motivation here. However, by dealing with facts, we live in a society now where just dealing with facts and putting ideas out there you are going to upset people. They've been programmed to get upset. They're insecure about certain things. People are going to get upset. I don't benefit from upsetting people. So uh, final warning here, whether this is 10 or 20 minutes into the podcast, if you are a mixed race parent or a mixed race child 
or in any way uh, predisposed such that you might get upset by things that might be said, just switch off now. That's my advice, and that's the last time I'm going to say that. So Tony Thorburn says, tell me where I'm wrong. Muhammad Ali, excellent JLB. That's it. That's what I wanted. People to tell me how Muhammad Ali was wrong. See, just calling him a racist doesn't say that he's wrong. That's just a word. It's just an epithet. It's just a way to attack somebody, an ad hominem attack. It doesn't point out how he is wrong in any way. And it's interesting going through these comments, how many people left positive comments about the video and Muhammad Ali. Many left negative comments. The ones who left the negative comments, generally, they just had the key phrases to use. Racism, right? No arguments against it. Just, well, he's a racist. Yeah, that, this is bad, exclamation mark. No arguments. Tell me where I'm wrong. I want you guys to tell me where I'm wrong. And all the time, not just in this video or this podcast, all the time, but specifically with this video of Muhammad Ali, I was hoping people in the comments would tell me where Muhammad Ali is wrong. And of course, few, if any, even tried. Now, Mr. Gore24 says, yeah, Ali was a flat out racist, which was kind of understandable with the way he was treated throughout his life, but it's not a valid excuse to create division. Glad he wasn't able to spout his bullshit after Frazier destroyed his brain. In his memory, I'm going to go bang a black chick and make her call me Cassius. Relax, C-U-N-T's, I'm being facetious. And again, it's difficult to know what this person is actually trying to convey with their words. You know, when you think about someone takes the time to type things up, press enter, and leave this comment with your avatar there so people know it's from you, and yet you don't make your point clear. I do wonder why some people engage in this kind of nonsense. So is Mr. Gore being uh, facetious about Ali being a flat-out racist or just about going out and wanting to sleep with black women? Like, I'm not even sure what the point of his comment is. And I read this one out to try and um, further reiterate this idea that if you're going to take the time to leave a comment or to in any way try and convey your ideas, my philosophy is, well, why not try and do that in a more efficient or effective manner? Try and make sure that someone who isn't you, when they read your comment, they actually get what it is that you're trying to say because I honestly don't know what Mr. Gore is trying to say here. If he's being serious that Ali was a flat-out racist, then again, we're dealing with a programmed individual. If he's being facetious about the whole thing, then you know, I think he could have done it a little bit better. But anyway, we'll move on. Now, Gary Mack and Tanister from down there in Sydney, a gentleman who actually came up and spent a day or two with myself and Ethan of the ARP last year. Yeah, it was last year he came up and uh, he was a listener of the ARP. Came up, we went out and, and uh, had, uh, I think we had lunch or breakfast and uh, caught up with Gary and he's a, a really nice guy down there. And uh, I'm not sure if he's still listening to the ARP. We had a recent episode actually, Gary, if you're listening to this. So um, I might even put a link to that in the, uh, in the link section on this post on my website. But either way, let's see what Gary has to say about this video. Muhammad Ali was simply stating his personal preference. I really cannot see how this is racist. Is it racist to say that you love your own people? Some of the comments below are from people that can't see how much they have been mind-controlled into their self-censored, erroneous, self-hating, half-baked, soft-cock liberal beliefs. You mean well, but you are completely wrong. Do you really think that the oligarchs that are running this show could give two fucks about different races or their feelings? For fuck's sakes, grow up. They don't care as long as they further their sick agenda. Believe me, their current agenda is to breed out the white countries and idiots like you are helping them. Well, I have to say, in many ways, I couldn't have said that too much better myself. And Gary makes a couple of very interesting points there. Obviously, he talks about how people who uh, say that this is racist, Muhammad Ali is racist, they're under mind control. And that's exactly what's going on. 
but he also says you mean well and I think this is one of the, the big problems facing people who are trying to have important conversations with others trying to share ideas a lot of people get sucked into this idea of thinking that just because someone disagrees with them or someone holds pretty sick views they, they just assume that oh that person means bad they mean to do bad instead of mean to do well but of course most people even people who are doing sick stuff like indoctrinating children into hating themselves in their minds they actually think they're doing the right thing they've been programmed to think they're doing the right thing they do mean well and so if you can just start the conversation off by saying look i know you mean well i'm sure in your mind you're doing the right thing and in my mind i think i'm doing the right thing hopefully you can see even if i'm wrong i'm trying to do the right thing so we both want what's best here let's look at what is actually best you know getting past this idea of well we're going to fix everything well we're going to fix everything because of course that's how they train people at school it's like Oh, things were bad in the 1950s and we're fixing them. We're, we're fixing things. You know, back even as late as the 1990s, it was still uh, okay to bash LGBTI people. But we're going to change that by taking away gendered pronouns. You know, that's how they do it. It's like things were bad, the other side of bad, but we mean well. We're here to fix things. So you've got to sort of disarm that right at the start by saying, look, even though I disagree with you, I can see that in your mind you mean well. Can you see that in my mind I mean well? And if they can't, if they like, nope, there's no way you mean well, then you're probably wasting your time trying to have a conversation with that kind of person anyway. If they've been convinced and they can't unconvince themselves that you're evil, that you truly want bad for holding your views, then you're not going to sway them with any evidence whatsoever, you see? And that's a whole part of the programming to begin with. To convince people who don't want mass immigration, who don't like the idea of mix, uh, race mixing, any of these things, they're evil. They want bad. They want bad for you. They want bad for everyone. When, of course, the opposite is the case. So, Gary Mack and Tanister, a couple of really good points in that comment, and I hope you keep them coming. It's, uh, it's good to see that there are still more Australians out there who are thinking for themselves and are willing to say things. I mean, Gary Mack has his, uh, an image of his face in his avatar, so he's, uh, he's out there. He's putting himself out there, and obviously in this country and other countries as well, that is a little bit risky insofar as you can run into problems with your employer for holding these kind of comments, holding these kind of views, and for expressing them the way that Gary Mack has done. Of course, it wouldn't take too many people just openly saying what they think about these things, and then all of a sudden, there wouldn't be too much that you could do about it. It's like, oh, what? You, okay, if there's a couple thousand of us, you're going to, like, we all work at different workplaces. Maybe we might uh, get fired from our workplaces, sure. But if all the people who feel this way express themselves, it'd be very different. Because I think deep down, a lot of people do see the problems with what's going on. They just don't have the courage or the wherewithal to express it. And if, you don't, if you're not very well versed in communication, how to express an idea in certain social situations in such a way as to not instantly get responses, then it, you might have had bad experiences expressing things and kind of been conditioned to keep it to yourself. It's like, well, I brought it up one time and then this lady got angry at me, this lady stormed off. Yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, if you have negative experiences by, from expressing yourself, then you're less likely to do it going forward. I mean, that's classic conditioning. Whole, they've got education, they've got the media, and then the corollaries of those is the social dynamics. So you've got these three things acting on you, all part of the conditioning, all part of the mind control. So someone who knows that actually there is a difference between uh, the white people here in Australia and some of the foreigners who are coming, someone who knows that, but has been browbeaten once or twice and won't say anything, even they are under a form of mind control. Their behaviors follow from their thoughts and their thoughts have been affected by 
uh, what's been done to them in the past. So, Gary Mack, good on you for having the courage to stand up and say what you believe. Now, Joseph Sherrill almost always leaves long comments, uh, detailed comments, and I appreciate it because going forward, I'd love to see more of this. People taking the time to structure their response, structure their arguments so that other people can know exactly what they're saying and respond to specific, to, uh, specific points. So I'll read this out from Joseph Sherrill in full. Very thought-provoking indeed. He certainly makes some good points. Namely, God made us this way, I tend to agree. But the analogy of birds is too simplistic. There are varying shades and even completely different colors and beak shapes and feather length of certain species which are considered the same species, but if translated in human terms, would appear as a different race. And while they are found in different areas of the world, I do believe if you bring them together in captivity, they certainly could and would mate, right? Someone with bird knowledge back me up on this or prove me wrong, I'd like to know. That all being said, I think diversity is a beautiful thing. And while I never would say or try to impose that we cannot mix or that is wrong or shame those that do have parents who have, I do think this globalization and melding of races has effects that are harmful to various cultures and confusing to individuals born in biracial families, just as if the parents have a different religion. Almost all of us have lost our heritage and who we really are. But to me, the most beautiful thing is God is calling you to join his family and does not care your race or culture. He accepts all and will graft you into his chosen people's heritage and call you sons of God and you can call him father. Also, why is it that more black men choose to go with white women than vice versa? Could it have to do with the fact that white men, mainly the Jesuits, Masons and the Jews that are not Jews but are the synagogue of Satan, own Hollywood and all media? and also that racist Walt Disney and others have within the world's media, entertainment, art, and even modeling and movies, have sold to us their idea of beauty, as even the black characters, which were few and far between not too long ago, all have white features and white race type, hair, and a specific figure. Any thoughts, anyone? I think Muhammad Ali's words show only that he's proud of his race, and not that he hates other races. It is true, though, many would call him, or certainly would call a white man, with the same sentiments, a racist. Currently, I cannot decide which stance is right. Also, different races have been interbreeding for some time now, so this type of attitude Muhammad Ali shares will certainly offend many who were born from biracial parents and had no choice. End quote. So a few points in there from Joseph Sherrill. Some of them I agree with, some of them I'm not so sure about. One thing that Joseph says that is very controversial in this day and age is that by parents uh, from different races having a child that it will leave their child confused the same as if their parents have two different religions and this is quite obvious and we'll look at some statistics later that do bear this out he says that he thinks Muhammad Ali's words show only that he is proud of his race and not that he hates other races and I agree with you uh, Joseph that is what Muhammad Ali is saying and this is what I've been saying for a while just because you love your own people or just because you're proud of your own people doesn't mean you have any negative feelings or any animosity towards other people. In fact, you might still love them too as fellow humans on this beautiful place we call Earth. So you can love everybody while still saying, my people are more like me, your people are more like you, and we're different. And let's hope that in 50, 100, 1,000 years, your people still exist and my people still exist. And so because they're my people, they're my priority right now, especially given the state that my people are in. Your priority should be your people. And if we can work together to make sure that, your, that our groups both remain in the future, great, let's do that. But let's not pretend that just because we don't hate each other, that means we have to interbreed and get rid of both of our cultures, both of our ethnicities, both of our races. 
that's utterly ridiculous. Joseph also talks about the synagogue of Satan or the people who call themselves Jews but are not Jews. That's a passage from the Bible. The people who control the media and the effect that it has on people and their choices. And this is certainly true as well. It's incredible just how much, if you know what you're looking for, how much you'll see uh, interracial couples and uh, mixed marriages and these kinds of things being promoted by the media. Not just in television shows, uh, not just in sort of news programming, but even in advertisements as well. And in some countries, it's worse than others. And that definitely has an effect. I mean, the people out there who don't believe that what other people see on television influences their behaviors and their beliefs, these people to me are insane. They're, they're just, it's so obvious they're denying reality. How can, you, how can you deal with such people? It's obvious that television influences behavior. That's why advertising exists, okay? That's why there are people paying thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to run their ad during a show where they know lots of people are watching. Why? Because the idea is that that ad will get those people to behave in a certain way, to buy a product or a service, generally speaking. Now, why would they do that? Because they just saw a 10 or a 30 second commercial on television. Now, if you can get people to buy a certain product or service with a 30 second commercial where they know it's a commercial, they know they're being sold to, but they'll still be influenced by it, then imagine what you could do to people by putting out images and ideas to get them to influence their behaviors where they don't realize that's what you're doing. That's the power of television. That's definitely happening today. But uh, Joseph, thank you again for the comment. Please keep the good comments coming at johnlebon.com. Just go along there. You can sign up for an account. Obviously, it's completely free. You don't even need to use a real email address or you can just leave your comments completely anonymously. But uh, I am hoping to build more of, uh, I don't want to use the word community because that's overused, especially in this YouTube truth cult scene. But uh, it would be nice to see, say, 10 or 20 or 30 regular contributors uh, mixing with each other, sharing thoughts with each other, etc. That's what I'm hoping to uh, get going eventually. And Joseph, you would definitely be a good addition to that. Now, on to Martin Leadkey. He says, thanks for sharing that, John. Most touching. Uh, he should have given Parkinson a chance. End of an era. I will miss him. Thanks, Shelby, brother. God bless. So uh, Martin seems like a, a lovely chap over there. In, I think he's in Wales. I'm not too sure. Sometimes, though, his comments, his use of punctuation, capitalization, sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what he's saying. But, uh, yeah, touching is what he described the Ali uh, clip as. And, uh, yeah, if you can put aside the programming of, oh, he's a racist or any of this, and just listen to what the man's saying, this is a man who's full of love. He's full of love for his people. I think that is a beautiful thing. And wouldn't the African-American uh, community, if you like, in the United States be so much better off if there were, if there were more people saying... I'm an African-American. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm going to do what I can to help other African-Americans be proud of their heritage in a productive, constructive way, not in a victimized, oh, let's hate on the whitey way, or not in a, oh, we're proud to be ghetto gangsters kind of way. But no, we're African-Americans. Okay, we can achieve great things. Let's work together to try and uh, get our communities uh, working better than they are right now, which is what Muhammad Ali was saying. He said at the start of the clip, African-Americans shouldn't be begging white people to move into their neighborhoods to make them better they should be making them better themselves. All common sense stuff. But Martin Leadke, thank you for the comment. Now, 007 Luxon says, Jono, this is one of the most important four minutes anyone can spend. Share this far and beyond, and I think also alt media, like Red Ice Radio, should use this because it just hits the nail on the head in such a short time. Thank you, Jono. Take care and keep up the good work. No worries. Well, thank you for the comment, Luxon. It's nice to get that kind of positive feedback as well. 
And I did see this same clip shared years ago. There's a video that's several years old where someone did a similar thing. They just played the main points of what Ali was saying. And so my video was really copying their idea of just cutting out that key part of that interview and uploading it. And of course, I uploaded this video. I should go without saying, but I uploaded this video within a day or two, or not too long after uh, the news reports of Muhammad Ali passing away. So I would have loved to have gotten in there straight away with this so that anyone typing in Muhammad Ali might have been more likely to see my clip. But uh, either way, that was what prompted me to upload this clip when I did. Because I knew about this from years ago. I saw this years ago and I thought, wow, this is terrific. And then it just occurred to me when I heard about uh, the news reports of Muhammad Ali's death that, oh, this is a good time to upload that. You know, other people are paying their respects to Muhammad Ali. Well, what better way to pay your respect, if that's what you want to do, than to say, hey, this is something that this man said, took courage to say it then, would take even more courage to say it now. Let's share that with our audience. And that's exactly what I did. So 007 Aluxon, thank you for the comment. Go Away says, some more of Ali's disgusting racism. You know the entire power structure is Zionist. They control America, they control the world. And then another quote, a black man should be killed if he's messing with a white woman. All white men have always done that. And not just white men, black men too. We will kill you and the brothers who don't kill you will get their behinds whipped and probably get killed themselves if they let it happen and don't do nothing about it. Well, I didn't know of either of those quotes before I read uh, Go Away's post. So I can't speak to the veracity of them, whether or not Ali said them, but they're interesting. And uh, if he was, if Ali was speaking out against the power structure being Zionist back in the 70s, that certainly is interesting, isn't it? So I'll have to look further, one, uh, further into that. I think it's always good practice if you're going to leave quotes, uh, if you can remember to do so, to leave uh, like information about where people can find that quote. So, you know, this person said this, as quoted by this person in this book, or this person said this, which you can see for yourself in this video or something like that. That's always good practice. But um, the beauty of, of web searches, one of the beauties is that you can just type a quote into the, the Google the Google bar or whatever. And then if you're willing to go through the links and do your own checking, you can find out if it is a legitimate quote. And if it isn't, it doesn't usually take too long to find that out either. So I might have to get to that with those particular quotes. But go away. Thank you for the comment. Now, Mark I says, some truth. Imagine a white saying this. Sounds from the audience wouldn't be so warm. Ali, yes, good, confident, powerful black man, plus a major contributor to ego is King's selfish philosophy and racist. Rest in peace, a champ. So again, somebody who probably could have spent a little bit more time just sorting out their comment so that it was more easy for people to understand exactly what they're saying. But uh, one of his main points is that if it was a white person saying that, uh, the sounds from the audience wouldn't be so warm. And that's certainly true. Of course, this was 40 years ago. So anyone saying it back then, there was different responses that you could expect to today. The programming is much stronger now. And so anyone black or white saying this today could find themselves um, getting booed by the audience or what have you. But uh, either way, Mark, I thank you for the comment. And finally, Conspiracy, Occult, Illuminati and NWO Media Review says... Ali was a Muslim commie draft dodger who was repeatedly glorified for all the wrong reasons, but I do completely agree with all his identitarian beliefs and statements. And that seems like a fair enough comment insofar as uh, this comment. Oh, well, let's just call him COI. Let's call him Coinwo. Coinwo is basically saying, I don't really like Ali's overall shtick or his overall narrative, but in this particular clip, he makes good points. And that could well be the case because I don't really pretend to know all that much about Muhammad Ali. I haven't 
Uh, I'm not a not a huge boxing fan, and um, I've got nothing against boxing. But I think it's a really cool sport. But you know, those people who who will go back and they'll watch the old fights and they'll know the stories, and they I'm just not one of those people, you know. So, and, and that's the boxing side of Ali, the, the the political side or what have you. I don't even know that much about that either. So this particular clip, I just liked it because I thought there were good points that were being well made by a person who many will listen to for other reasons. I certainly wasn't suggesting that Ali was this great man. He was just speaking some beautiful truth and anyone can speak the beautiful truth. In this case, I thought Muhammad Ali was. But some people out there like Coinwo might know more about the overall Ali story or narrative and then have certain um, feelings towards Ali about that. But even then, the sensible person says, well, I might have overall views about a certain person. However, this particular argument they're putting forward or this particular uh, piece they're putting forward, I'm going to evaluate it on its own merits. And that's what Coinway has done with Ali's comment. So Coinway, thank you for your comment. And that is all of the comments that we've gone through so far. There were a couple that I didn't bother reading out. They didn't really seem uh, really uh, worth the time to read out. So of all the comment reviews I've done, this has probably one of the the smallest amounts of comments. But I wanted to do this one because I think it's such an important topic. And uh, I'm going to try and focus more going forward on comment reviews that aren't specifically related to Flat Earth. Because the first six, I think, all were to one degree or another. Going forward, the plan is I might occasionally do comment responses uh, regarding that topic. But overall, that's a topic that really I'm hoping to give a lot less... Uh, focus to because I think I've done enough now I think I've done what about a year or thereabouts I've, I've looked at the arguments for and against and all the different models are being put forward so far and I've spoken to some of the big names in it and I've uh, made videos debunking so I've done a lot you know and I kind of feel like um, there's, un- there's diminishing marginal returns so I wanted to do a comment response that wasn't on flat earth and this was the most recent video that I thought of was worthwhile doing and that's why we're working on it and it is an important topic so that's the video that we've gone through then we've gone through the comments now i just want to go through a couple of things that some of you might not be familiar with that are pertinent to this discussion about race and ethnicity and these kinds of things so first of all this is from the university of north carolina now it's called students of mixed races report suffering more health problems and it's by David Williamson of UNC News Services, date 30 October 2003. Of course, my links will be provided on this post on John LeBond, so you can go and check this out for yourself. And obviously, I highly recommend that you do. I'll read this out to you. All you can do is listen to what I'm reading out. If you are interested in this kind of thing, the best thing is to go and check it yourself. You guys know that. So links underneath the Podbean player of this on my post on johnlebond.com. Go and check it out, but I'll read it out to you to give you an idea of what you can expect. Again, this is from 2003 from the University of North Carolina, and the opening stanza states, a new study that involved surveying 90,000 90, adolescent US students showed that those who consider themselves to be of mixed race were more likely than others to suffer from depression, substance abuse, sleep problems, and various aches and pains. Conducted by researchers at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and the National Institutes of Health, the investigation found that adolescents of mixed race were more likely to have other health problems as well. It did not matter what races the students identified with. The risks were all high, sorry, the risks were higher for all of them if they did not identify with a single race, said Dr. J. Richard Udry, principal author of a paper on the work 
appearing in the November issue of the American Journal of Public Health. Most of the risk items we assessed may be related to stress, and so we believe being of mixed race is a source of stress, Udry said. From this work, we cannot identify further the sources of that stress. More research is needed to identify those sources and possibly suggest programs that might help biracial adolescents. Later on in the same article, quote, In the detailed surveys they completed, students could give more than one answer when asked about their race. Those who called themselves biracial tended to be more likely to smoke and drink, Udry said. Overall, older biracial children were more likely to have sex at younger ages, to have access to guns, and to have poor experiences at school, such as through suspensions, skipping class, and repeating grades. In characteristics not related to traditional risks, such as grades, vocabulary, family structure, and family education, mixed-race adolescents often fell between single-race adolescents, he said. For example, Asians had higher grade point averages than whites and were more likely to have a college-educated parent, but children with both Asian and white parents had averages between those two peer groups and were more likely to have a parent who attended college than white-only adolescents. And then at the end of the article, they point out that Involved were 145 randomly selected U.S. middle and high schools. Adolescents completed questionnaires about themselves, their health and beliefs. The project's second phase involved detailed in-home interviews with 20,000 of the teenagers and their parents. End quote. So those are just a couple of portions from the article. I recommend you check those out in the link below. And that's straight to unc.edu. So a couple of major things to come from that. This isn't some small study, okay? 90,000 people involved in a study, 20,000 of those people with in-home detailed interviews. Now, you compare that to some of the so-called studies that are passed off as proof that we all came from Africa, for instance. I cite, I've cited that one that was in the, uh, the Nature Journal, 1987, which involved a sample size of like 147 people, and they use that as you know, mitochondrial DNA. They use 147 samples of mitochondrial DNA to suggest that we all come from Africa, right? Compare that to this study, which is 90,000 people, 20,000 in-depth uh, home interviews, okay? The sample size for this one, clearly significantly better than some of the other stuff that's passed off as science. Now, you could just read this article, and just reading this should give people who weren't previously familiar with this stuff some pause for thought. However, obviously someone like me, I don't just read this kind of article, I go and try and find the study, and sure enough, I found it. So I'll link to that in the info box, uh, sorry, in the uh, link section as well. But I want to read to you from that scientific study, the discussion and the conclusion. Now, before I do, this is called Health and Behavior Risks of Adolescence with Mixed Race Identity, obviously by J. Richard Udry, PhD, Rose Maria Lee, PhD, and Janet Hendrickson-Smith, MA. So two doctors and a master's. And uh, it was published, yeah, 2003, November, in the American Journal of Public Health. Now, I'll read you the abstract. Objectives, this study compared the health and risk status of adolescents who identify with one race with those identifying with more than one race. Methods, data are derived from self-reports of race using the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent Health, which provides a large representative national sample of adolescents in grades 7 through 12. Respondents could report more than one race. Results, mixed-race adolescents showed higher risk when compared with single-race adolescents on general health questions, school experience, smoking and drinking, and other risk variables. Conclusions, 
adolescents who self-identify as more than one race are at higher health and behaviour risks. The findings are compatible with interpreting the elevated risk of mixed race as associated with stress. So that's the abstract. Now let's go down, we'll scroll down through the methods, we'll scroll, scroll down through the results and we'll get to their uh, discussion and conclusion. Quote, the preponderance of our evidence supports the conclusion that adolescents who identify more than one race are at higher health and behavior risks when compared with those who identify with one race only. This applies in, ge in a general way and is not distinctive to any particular race combinations. Further, it is not peculiar to any particular type of risk, but to most risks, both health and behavior. So there you go, they, that's how they say it. You know, this applies in a general way and is not distinctive to any particular race combinations. In other words, it's not as though if you mix this race with this race, it's bad, and this race and this race, it's good. They're saying across the board, the races are mixed, and statistically, there are more negative outcomes for those children, okay, across the board. Further, it's not peculiar to any type of risk, but to most risks, both health and behavior. So they're saying, not only does it apply across the board uh, when you mix the races, but it's not just one or two things that seem to be worse for those children. That's across the board as well. So if you, if you boil it down, the mixing of races, the child has a statistically higher chance of problems, and not just any problems, but generally across the board, more problems, okay? Now, again, this is statistics. It doesn't mean that any mixed race child is going to be worse off. We're not looking at it. These studies aren't meant to be taken as indicative of what will happen or predictive of what will happen on a micro scale. So you could read this, go and have a mixed race child, and if you raise that child well, uh, all other things being equal, there's still every chance that child is going to have a good and productive life. But we're looking more broadly here. We're looking at the macro scale. And if you look at a country like Australia, where we are importing hordes of people who are not like most of the people who are here, and we're indoctrinating young children to think that all races are the same, that anyone who says otherwise is a racist, a bad person. We've got mainstream media encouraging people to race mix. This is what we're going to have to deal with on the macro scale. Those are the facts. This is a study. They've got their tables. They've got their charts. They have a 90,000 per person sample size. So if you've got evidence that is different to this, by all means, please present it. I'd like to see it. I look forward to seeing it. Okay, you can leave your comments in the comment section below. Tell me what evidence you have that race mixing doesn't lead to negative outcomes because I've shown you the evidence that it does. Now, this evidence could be wrong. This is one study. One study doesn't prove everything absolutely. We have to look at the other side too. So show me the other side because when I was indoctrinated to believe the other side when I was younger, I wasn't given studies. I wasn't given 90,000 person sample size studies that proved that race mixing was perfectly fine and, and there was no problems. No, I wasn't given that. So if you were given that, please present it. I'm looking for that evidence for the other side. But I've found this and it supports my position. And my position is simply, if you take people of one group and you mix them with people of another group, it seems as though they're going to have negative outcomes statistically on a macro scale. So over to you, please present me the other side. That's the discussion from this article. Let's look at the conclusion and I'll quote this one in full and then we'll move on. Adolescents who identify themselves as mixed race are at a higher health and behavior risk than those of one race. Nevertheless, most mixed race adolescents are at low risk. Most of the risk items we assessed may be interpreted as related to stress, so we may therefore choose to interpret mixed race as a source of stress. We cannot identify further the source of the stress. Subsequent research can start with the assumption of greater risk for the mixed race identified adolescent and try to identify the sources of stress. 
Only then can we recommend programmatic attention to mixed-race youths. Our comparison of mixed-race identified adolescents on family structure, parent education, GPA and PBT shows that on these culture-related non-risk characteristics, mixed-race youths have values in between the constituent races confirming a mixed-race cultural experience. Now that conclusion is interesting because they're saying that things like GPA has to do with uh, cultural experiences rather than with genetics. And for the sake of argument, I'm happy to take this one on face value for the time being. What they're saying is, uh, say the average white person's GPA is 30, say the average black person's is 20, a mixed race between black and white, they wind up somewhere between 20 and 30. Okay, So whether you think that's a genetic thing or a cultural thing, even though that is important, either way, we're still left with the result that, hey, a white person, you can go and have a child with a black person or go and have a child with a, black, uh, with a white person. Statistically, there's a better chance for the child if that child is white. Now, they don't just, like when you find these studies, and if you click the links that I provide, you'll see this for yourself, they don't just give the abstract methodology, etc. They also provide the tables. So there's a couple of tables that go with all of this, like um, you know, where they tabulate the results of what they've found. I'll give an example. Say table four, percentage of adolescents with individual and family attributes on school questionnaire by race, ethnicity. Take a look at this one. It says that the GPA, so a high GPA uh, for white people, uh, on average, is about 32. For black people, about 15. For a white-black mixed race person, 24. So white, 32. Black, 15. Mixed, 24. In other words, as I said in that conclusion a moment ago, you get something that's in between. So the black, averaging 15. Uh, mixed race, 24. Pure white, uh, 32. And that's looking at it purely from white, black. Okay, so what they do in this table, obviously this is a podcast, you can't see this for yourself. That's why you need to go and check it for yourself. But what you'll see is that they break the table down into what they call virgules. So they've got the white, black, and then they've got the white and the black underneath it. Then they've got white, American Indian, and then white and American Indian. Then they've got white, Asian, white and Asian. I mean, take a look at the white, Asian one, for instance. Uh, the Asian people getting GPAs, high GPAs, 43, white, 32, white, Asian, 38. So the Asians on average are doing better than whites. You mix the two together and they, they fall in between. Okay, so you're an Asian person and you create a child with an Asian person. Based on these statistics, it looks as though that child has a better chance of doing well at the GPA than if you were to go and create a child with a uh, white person. You see? So this is another example of, hey, it's not about saying that white people are superior or anything like that. Nothing like that. It's saying people are better off remaining with their own group. Now, you might say, oh, but what about for the blacks with the white-black example? Wouldn't they be better off uh, mixing with white? Well, to some extent, you could argue that the child might do better off but uh, from, the, from the black person's perspective. But what about from the white person? Then in table three, they've got the odds ratios for specific two-race adolescents compared with single-race adolescents. And say with uh, white-black, you look at things like depressed or blue, you've got a 1.53 times odds ratio that a white black uh, that a, a mixed white black will be depressed as compared to just a, a straight white like 1.53 ratio right one to one would be the same 1.53 is the case right and if you go through that particular column whether it's white black white american indian white asian black american indian in every single one 
it's elevated above 1. They're more likely to be depressed or blue, whether it's 1.53, 1.76. You get down to black Asian, it's phenomenal. It's 2.14 is the odds ratio that a, uh, a black Asian will be depressed or blue as opposed to just a straight black, right? So this is, this is, this is incredible stuff when you think about it. Like the, the idea that people don't know about this, but will try and tell you uh, the truth about uh, race mixing or that you're the bad person for speaking about this. And it's like, well, hold on. How about the children here, right? If these statistics say this, what does this say for the children? You know, shouldn't, the children aren't even born yet. Is this, is this the kind of thing that you want to ignore? Why? Because you've been trained that way. Why would we ignore this kind of stuff if we're trying to have an intelligent conversation about what's happening today? This is important stuff. So go and check out those links. Again, they're all provided on my post on John LeBon. Check this stuff out for yourself. It's stuff that you need to be aware of. And me trying to convey it to you in a podcast, I can only do so much. Whereas if you just take the time, it only take you 10 or 15 minutes to read the article uh, that's been provided and look at a couple of the tables. It won't take long. Just look at it. And if this is all new to you, there's a good chance it'll spur you on to do more research of your own, which is, of course, one of the main things I'm trying to do with my platform is to encourage more people to do their own research. So that was from that article, again, from 2003. There's one more thing that I wanted to talk about. This one's from, from Time magazine. It's called Bone Marrow Transplants When Race is an Issue by Christopher Shea on Thursday, June 3, 2010. Again, Time Magazine, all the links provided. I'll just skip down a couple of paragraphs and read a couple of key paragraphs here. To find a marrow match for anyone is hard. Even within one's own family, the chances of finding one are only about 30%. According to the World Donor Marrow Association, while two out of three Caucasians find a match, the chances of a patient from another ethnic background can be as low as one in four. Despite rapid improvements in marrow registries around the world, the global registry is still disproportionately represented by the US, UK and Germany, all predominantly Caucasian countries. For a multiracial person, the chances are usually even worse. Athena Mari Asclepiades, the founder of the California-based Mixed Marrow, one of the only outreach groups devoted to recruiting mixed-race donors, says the numbers are quite staggering. People compare it to winning the lottery. It's difficult to ascertain the exact chances of finding a match for a mixed-race person because the different combinations have different success rates. And the US-based National Marrow Donor Program, NMDP, which has about 8 million donors in its registry, does not have statistics on the success rates of mixed-race patients. But Asclepiades maintains the rates are lower, much lower. God forbid I need a match because I'm a very rare combination, Asclepiades says of her mixed Japanese, Italian, Armenian, Egyptian, and Greek background, end quote. So there you have it. Just from those couple of paragraphs, they're saying that Caucasians find a match uh, maybe two out of three times for bone marrow transplants. Uh, the chances for people from other ethnic backgrounds can be as low as one in four. So two out of, two out of three, 60, about 60 to 70% uh, for Caucasian people, as low as 30 or 35% for non-white people. Okay, So when they try and tell you that race is only skin deep, ask those people about bone marrow transplants. And this isn't just true for bone marrow transplants. It's true for organ transplants and all these kinds of things. People who tell you that race is skin deep, they're programmed morons. And I used to be one, by the way. Like, this isn't me sitting here trying to judge these people. I was programmed. I was a moron. I was conditioned the way that I was supposed to be conditioned. But now I'm not because I've gone and done my own research and looked at the facts. 
race is clearly not only skin deep if it affects things like whether or not you can and can't get bone marrow transplants. So just from the two things that I've looked at then, we've looked at the negative outcomes related to health and behavior, things like depression, uh, their success rates at school, etc., from mixed race children as compared to uh, non-mixed race of the two races from which they're mixed. And clearly the outcomes are much worse, significantly so in many cases for mixed race children. Now we're looking at the, I guess, the more physiological aspect of things, the fact that people, aren't, races are not the same. Now these are the kinds of things, kind of facts that people should be aware of, you would think, before choosing to create a child, whether it's a child with someone of their own people or of a different people, you'd think these are things that people ought to know. Uh, since the information is there, especially if we're going to have government agencies like schools and broadcasters uh, promoting the idea of race mixing, if they've got the platform to promote it, why don't they also promote or share some of the facts that are easily available to people who take the time to research it for themselves? There is a reason for that. Most of you know what that reason is. And hopefully by putting this out there for you, uh, those of you who weren't already aware of this, you can go and connect those dots for yourself. So with all of that said, uh, what we've done today is we've looked at the video that I uploaded about Muhammad Ali and uh, what I say is the beautiful truth, him speaking about loving his own people and how uh, just because you love your own people doesn't mean you hate anybody else. And anybody who wants to see their race disappear are a hater of their own people. Those were Muhammad Ali's words, and uh, I echo them here. And then I looked at the comments that were left. Many of the negative comments simply use that keyword racist as though that ends the argument. And of course, for dumb people, it does. It's like, ooh, I just called you a racist. Game over. Or for weak people, it's like, oh, no, I just got called a racist. Oh, no. Why would you care if you're getting called a racist if you're dealing with people who are pushing this kind of stuff, right? Pushing race mixing despite the evidence that we have that it can lead to negative outcomes, okay? They're not in the right, they're not the good people. They might have good intentions, but they've been programmed by people who might have also had good intentions to use emotive rhetoric, to use guilt, to try and manipulate a conversation by using words like racist to scare other people away. Well, I'm not scared. Call me a racist if you want. Call me a racist, what difference does it make? I'm the one who's got the evidence, I'm the one who's looked for the evidence, I'm the one who'll stand by my beliefs. Will you? Where's your evidence? Where are other people's evidences, okay? This is an important topic. And I would suggest it's far more important to what's happening to us today, right now, than, say, the shape of the Earth. Whether the Earth is a giant spinning ball going around the sun, or it is flat, like there many of these YouTubers are trying to say, or it's concave, or it's anything else. Okay, these are, these are, Those are important as well, no doubt about it. However, to a child that is about to be conceived, none of that really matters. Okay, And to children who've already been born... Uh, but they're, they're being indoctrinated with nonsense at school, trying to make them feel guilty, none of that really matters. What matters is that right now, uh, all around the Western world, there are people who are indoctrinating young children to feel guilty about the color of their skin and trying to encourage them through broadcasting and through the school system to believe that race is only skin deep. And of course, that has a consequence of leading to more mixed marriages and more mixed race children. And as we've seen today, even if on the micro scale, that might not be a significant problem. On the macro scale, it clearly is. And that'll only become more so as more of these mixed-race children and their cohorts come through. And these are topics that deserve attention. Now, if this is too much for you, if this is too controversial for you, if this is too heavy for you, fine. My website and my platform won't really be the best place for you. You'll be welcome. You're welcome, especially if you've got counter-evidence or counter-examples. But if this is too much for you, if this kind of race reality is too much for you, then I do thank you for taking the time to listen. 
but maybe you're better off elsewhere because I'm only just getting warmed up here. There are many important things that people should be talking about. There is evidence that can be used to support arguments and that's what I'm going to be doing with my platform going forward. And uh, thank you for listening. In future videos or podcasts, I'll explain how you can subscribe to an RSS feed so that these things come up for you straight away. And uh, as always, one of the most important things you can do is to check the links that I provide uh, at jonathanbond.com. Check the links. I've, I've kind of done some of the hard work finding this information for you. You can just click it and, and find it for yourself. And then you can go and find counter evidence or what have you or um, do further research, whatever the case might, might be. But just by starting off with those links as a good starting point and going from there could be very beneficial. And hey, it's one thing to watch a video or to listen to a podcast. But if you're just doing it for entertainment, what is the real benefit? You know, the real benefit comes from doing the research, formulating your own ideas. And one easy way to help that is to get involved in the conversation. So there's a comment section there below this post on johnlebon.com. Get involved in the conversation. Don't just leave your own comment either. See what other people have said. Reply to them. Disagree with them. Give counter evidence. The more that we do that, the better off that we'll be, especially if it's done in a good cordial nature, which so far on the site has been the case. So on the 7th of July, 2016, this is comment response 08. And uh, I've enjoyed putting it together. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, as always, take care of yourselves. Black people must do something for themselves and not always beg white people to move in the neighborhoods, but clean their own neighborhoods. And another thing, when you say integration, it comes on the end of marriage too, right? All right. been together. Right. Sure. And I'm sure no intelligent white person watching this show, or no intelligent uh, white man in his or her right white mind, want black boys and black girls marrying their white sons and daughters, and in return introducing their grandchildren as half brown, kinky haired black people. I, w I and I'm sure I wouldn't I'm, object to that. Well, you wouldn't, but a lot of them would. Well, I'm sure a lot of people. And no, it's, it's the point. What I'm trying to say is this. What I'm trying to say is this. And you don't have it. You say you don't, but you don't have it. You really ain't gonna have it. You on the show, and you got to say that. But <laughs> that's, that's that's not true. Why would you want to do that? Because don't because like I don't yourself? I don't think I'm any different from you. You see. Uh, yeah, we yeah we much different. That's I mean, I think society's you know, made us different. You know, we're different. We all together. But society's made us different. No, not society. God made us different. No, no, we're just human beings. He made all of us. We all, listen, bluebirds fly with bluebirds. Red birds want to be with red birds. Listen, listen, tell me when I'm wrong. Pigeons want to be with pigeons. But tell we me have when intelligence. I'm not. Well, we must, they don't have intelligence, but yet no. they stay together. We should have more intelligence than them, right? <laughs> buzzers are with buzzards. Yeah. Buzzers are with buzzards. Bluebirds are with bluebirds. They all are birds. But they've got different cultures. The eagles like to hang out in the mountains. The buzzards like to fly around the desert. Well, the certain... bluebird like to fly around the trees and the grass. There'd be certain problems a, a buzzard mating with a sparrow, wouldn't there? What? There'd be certain... <laughs> right, right. And that's, I mean... we have the problems, too. No, I, don't see, I, don't see, I don't see no black and white couples in England or America walking around proud holding their children. That's because society... And, and going out. That's, that's society's fault. I mean, well, so, well, but, I mean we've got to educate well, my, people around. Well, life is too short it. for me to be raised catching hell for something like that. I'd rather go and be my own. I have a beautiful daughter, beautiful wife. They look like me. We're all happy, and I don't have no trouble. And, <laughs> I have no trouble. Ain't, I ain't that much in love with no woman to go through all that hell. Ain't no one woman that good. <laughs> you understand? I understand, yeah. I just, I do understand. I understand. I think it's, I think it's sad that... that, that it ain't sad because I want my child to look like me. Every intelligent person wants his child to look like him. 
I'm sad because I want to blot out my race and lose my beautiful identity. Chinese love Chinese. They love the little slanted eyed pretty brown-skinned babies. Pakistanis love their culture. Jewish people love their culture. A lot of Catholics don't want to marry number Catholics. They want the religion to stay the same. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You, you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake when he made us all like we I, were. I think that's a philosophy um, of despair. Despair. I really do. It ain't it's, no despair. Yeah, Number one, can't no woman. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you. Listen, no woman on this whole earth, not even a black woman in Muslim countries, can please me and cook for me and socialize and talk to me like my American black woman. No woman, at last, is a white woman can really identify with me and my feelings and the way I act and the way I talk. And you can't take no Chinese man and give him no Puerto Rican woman and holler him about we're in love and you emotionally in love and physically, but really they're not happy because she's going to hear some Puerto Rican music, he's going to hear some Chinese music, and they're going to be clashing all the time. It's just nature. You can do what you want, but it's nature to want to be with your own. I want to be with my own. I love my people. That's all. I don't hate nobody. I think it's sad that... that, that it ain't sad because I want my child to look like me. Attitude. Every intelligent person wants his child to look like him. I'm sad because I want to blot out my race and lose my beautiful identity. Chinese love Chinese. They love the little slanted eyed pretty brown-skinned babies. Pakistanis love their culture. Jewish people love their culture. A lot of Catholics don't want to marry number Catholics. They want the religion to stay the same. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You're you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You're you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race?